Thinking globally, creating locally. This is the Studio 809 Podcast Collaborative. Welcome to Town Square, the podcast that shines a little light on important things happening in Colorado Springs and the Pikes Peak region. Our special guest, the first Democratic Secretary of State in many years, Jennifer. Jenna Griswold and I'm Colorado Secretary of State uh, and I am so excited to be here with the representatives and the senator because we got so much done when it comes to democracy this legislative session. We did. You all should give all these guys a hug, three high fives, uh, because we really made history in Colorado. Um, you know, I decided to run for Secretary of State because I grew up in rural Colorado. I grew up in Estes Park. Uh, and I grew up pretty working class. So growing up, my mom would work two jobs, and there was times when we were on food stamps, times we were on food bank, or going to food banks. Uh, and I started working the summer after seventh grade at the old post office cafe, which was right next to the post office in Estes Park. Uh, and just saw a lot of Colorado families struggling. That's what inspired me to be the first person in my family to go to a four-year college and then to law school. And that's why it's so important to me that no matter where you live, if you're from a town like me with more elk than people, uh, if you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, if you're richer or if you're more working class like I grew up, you need to have your voice heard in our democracy. That's the, the fundamental promise of this country. Uh, and even upon taking office, before taking office, Colorado was already a national leader when it came to elections. Uh, the fact that we have early voting, uh, in-person voting, mail ballots, same-day voter registration shines in stark contrast to the voter suppression we see across the nation. We just have to look to Florida, Georgia, North Dakota, what was happening with the Native Americans, to see that the fight for our, our civil liberties, the fight for our, our democratic values, for every eligible citizen to have their voice heard, uh, is still a work in progress. And all that work that the suffragists fought for, uh, we are actually this week, the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. All that fight that the people who marched and, and gave their lives for our country, either abroad or in the civil rights movement, uh, their goal for us to have a democracy that we all should really be proud of is still a work in progress. So when I assumed office uh, and on the campaign trail, I said I wanted to do three things. Number one, make sure that eligible people in Colorado have access to our elections. Number two, expand automatic voter registration. And number three, take a big stand against dark money and the special interests that are funneling funds into our democracy and try to even the playing field for everyday people. Uh, and I, I, I want to report back because I think it's very important to say this is what I wanted to do and this is what we did. And the report is we got every single one done this legislative session <laughs> thanks to people like your representatives. So first and foremost, we passed a, a big elections omnibus bill. 
Uh, and like I said, look, we are a, a model, we were a model already, but just because you're a leader doesn't mean you stop because you hit a benchmark, you continually improve. Uh, and we saw in 2018 in Colorado on election day, 25 locations, voting locations with over an hour line. So we just passed a, a big omnibus bill that will increase voting locations and drop boxes for all Coloradans across our state. It's going to guarantee polling locations and drop boxes on public universities so that students can get to the polls. Uh, and we reversed some antiquated laws uh, that regulated tribal voting in Colorado to make sure that tribal leadership can register people to vote, which believe it or not, they were not allowed to within weeks uh, before an election. We now are going to have guaranteed polling locations and drop boxes on all our tribal lands at tribal, at tribal request uh, and are really putting a, a good mark in the a good line to say, look, what happens in North Dakota, what happens in Georgia, what happens in Texas is not going to happen in Colorado because we believe in our democracy. The second thing, expanding automatic voter registration. Uh, and what that is, is it's actually already started. Uh, my predecessor, uh, El Paso County Commissioner, or City Councilor, uh, Wayne Williams actually started it when he was Secretary of State. And what it does is when you know someone is eligible to vote, you register them and you say, okay, you can opt out from your registration when you see they're not registered. That already existed at driver's license offices in Colorado under Secretary Williams' leadership. So what we did is changed it around a little bit of how it, it works at the DMV to make it a little bit more efficient, but then we're hoping to expand outwards. Because all too often, younger people, people in big cities, older people, people with disabilities, aren't going to driver's license offices. And I really do think that we should be planning for driverless cars coming uh, and people going less and less to driver's license offices. So we wanted to expand out of, out of the driver's license offices. The legislature passed it and we will be expanding automatic voter registration and will become a national leader in making registering to vote accessible and we should be very proud of that, very proud of that. And third is the big, hard issue of dark money. Do you all know what dark money is? So it's secret political spending. And you know, someone who grew up pretty working class who, look, I funded college, I funded law school, I don't even wanna tell you how much my educational debt is um, because it's almost as high as my mortgage. Maybe my mortgage is slightly higher. But you all know, like look, Healthcare is so expensive, education is so expensive, housing is so expensive. Our democracy is supposed to be the great equalizer. But what happens is we get special interests uh, in what amounts to the billionaire class funneling millions and millions of dollars through super PACs and not even disclosing what they're doing. And that's a reality that has taking, taken shape coast to coast. So when I became Secretary of State, uh, I actually pulled all the money spent in Colorado Super PACs in 2018. Can any guess on how much was spent through Super PACs? They're called Independent Expenditure Committees in Colorado. Any guess? There's, well, there is a wrong answer because I have the right answer, but there's no wrong guesses. $82 million just in 2018. 
Of that $82 million, over 75% was donated in donations of over $100,000. Over a third of that money was donated in donations of above $500,000. Was that you guys giving by chance? No. And of all that money, the 82 million, over 80% was either from corporations or from hard to trace donors. So it was dark money. Uh, and I think this should be troubling to us for three major reasons. Number one, we need basic facts when we're choosing who we're gonna vote for. And part of that basic facts is knowing who is sending you the message. So for us to, to decide who our leaders are, we need to know is what we're hearing from them correct? Who's telling us this? Number two, corruption or the appearance of corruption. I sure wanna know, with all due respect to everybody in the legislature, if someone is putting a million dollars in to help a legislator win. Because it looks, the appearances of a corruption and we want to not make, have that happen. And number three, foreign influence. We saw in 2016, Foreign countries run a media campaign, actively try to compromise our elections, and put money into some elections. So we need to know that no foreign money is coming in. So what we did, it's not perfect, but it is the best campaign finance system now in the nation. It is the very best. It's going to help stop dark money. So when entities or big donors say, hey, I don't want to be disclosed, I want to try to funnel my money through a C4 or a C5 or a C6 into a super PAC, they're no longer going to be able to do it. They're going to have to disclose if they earmark that money. When it comes to foreign spending, we put a complete ban on foreign countries, foreign nationals, foreign corporations from putting money into our politics here in Colorado at the state level. And when it comes to corporations, look, I think corporations should stand by their political spending. Uh, and previously, a corporation could spend straight out of their coffers and not even have to tell you that they were doing it when they were spending on ballot initiatives. We changed that and now they're going to have to disclose what they're doing. So this is a, a big democracy package. This is a democracy package that I think really solidifies our leadership nationally, not only when it comes to elections but campaign finance. Uh, and we're at a time when, look, uh, corruption or the appearance of it is on the rise. And we need to know that elected leaders are there to do the right thing. We should be proud of this. Uh, and lastly, I have a whole list of legislation related to democracy. The last thing I want to add on is we also did lobbyist reform, which is another thing that I oversee to make sure that lobbyists are telling the legislators, the media, what bills they're lobbying on. Because believe it or not, more was spent in 2018 on lobbying our state legislature than was given to every single representative and every single senator in the state capitol here. So it's a big business. There's great lobbyists. There's not so great lobbyists. Runs the gamut. But we deserve to know who's trying to influence the decision makers' decisions. So I, I just want to really thank all of you. I, I'm really looking forward uh, to all the questions. but. More than anything, thank the legislators for their amazing leadership uh, when it comes to democracy and creating a democracy that we should all be able to believe in, but then also
putting a stake in the ground and saying Colorado is a national leader in democracy, an example of what this nation can be. So can we give a round of applause to our legislators? That's fantastic. And with that, questions? So the question was about our voting machines in Colorado. And again, we really have to hand it to the legislators because we have some of the best voting systems in the nation. Unlike other states, our voting machines are not connected to the internet. We also did a massive upgrade of voting machines within the last 10 years compared to other states where, man oh man, some of them are running on systems that are no longer supported. They're not. The legislature also took us to a, a, a paper, a voter verified paper ballot, which is necessary in this day and age. I, I think to, to think that there are not cyber risks is to not really look at all the risks. And why having that paper ballot is so important is that we can then go audit that ballot. Uh, so in Colorado, none of the machines are connected, connected. You, have a, you can verify your ballot paper on a paper machine. We do use tabulation machines. So you get your ballot and then it gets tabulated in a machine. And we like that's really the only electronic part of the process and it's necessary because they're more accurate than hand counting, believe it or not. But then we come and we do one of the best audits in the nation, a risk limiting audit, where we pull a certain amount of ballots after the fact and what you're auditing against is those tabulation machines. Um, so co comparatively, we are one of the most secure states in the nation to cast a ballot. Uh, I am trying to continue that and making sure that we are cracking down on vulnerabilities. Uh, in our IT department uh, at the Department of State, I, they, they allow me to sleep well at night. We are doing things unlike any other state in the nation. So for example, do you all know what the dark web is? So the dark web, it's basically another platform where people talk to each other about doing bad things. So there's chat rooms and you get arms sales, you get drug sales, you get illicit behavior going over the dark web. The Department of Homeland Security, who we partner with, monitors the dark web when it comes to our elections. We wanna make sure if there's chatter around Colorado elections, we do that also. We do that also. We do penetration testing where we invite DHS or other people to try to break into our systems. We also do things, it's called a hunt, where we actually allow uh, either, either private sector organizations or DHS into our systems to go see if there's any vulnerabilities. Uh, and I will tell you, it is extremely hard to sign onto a computer in the Department of State. Uh, I know from experience there's about six passwords every single time. Um, and we are a, a leader on security and we're just going to continue to innovate uh, because just, just like with voting and even more so with cyber, cyber threats always evolve, right? So we need to always be evolving with them uh, and it's always a, a, a run to try to be three steps ahead, but I'm, I'm very confident in our systems. I have a question on voter registration. From 2012 until 2016, seems as if the fee for making a mistake or the voter registration, what is, well, you understand what I'm saying, the fees increase. So I believe in 2016, we didn't have as many voter registration agents as we had in 2012. 
is there anything we can do to reduce the amount of fees? Because I think people are backing off of doing voter registration because they can't afford the fees if you make a mistake. Are you talking about the, the voter registration rights? Yes. That's a, a really good question. And to take a step back, please, uh, questions for all the legislators too. I don't want to take your time up. Um, I, I think that's a, a really good question because access is so important. Uh, and this is a state that has said time and time again that, look, you can register early. You can register in person. You can register on election day. You can register online. Uh, and there has been a lot of organizations such as New Era, the League of Women Voters, and just people who are really concerned about our democracy that ha have been really focused on, on getting people uh, registered to vote. It's something that's really important to me. Um, we are pulling together a group to look, look not only uh, at fees and things like that, but also uh, at just the, the document that you're filling out. Um, so we're pulling people together to holistically look at that system to make sure that it, it runs smoothly. Uh, you know, I, I think it's really important. Uh, I, I don't know, gosh, what state was it? Maybe it was Tennessee or Louisiana uh, that just made it extremely hard for people to register folks to vote. Uh, and I think across the board, we really need to stand for everyday people being able to participate in our democracy and part of that is voter registration drives and, and we're looking to to see how can we take that to the next level uh, so the question is i think on the national popular vote compact which is something that i support uh, i think the fundamental one person one vote is something that's enshrined into our nation uh, think that you're really hitting something that the nail right on the head that it's up to states uh, to determine how they cast their electoral votes it's up to states uh, and that cannot be mandated uh, by the the US Congress but states can decide how they cast those electoral votes and they have in the past uh, so and, and they've changed how they decided to cast those uh, across our history so what the, the national uh, uh, what is it called? National Popular Vote Compact does is basically say when so many states opt in, those states will have their electors vote for the president for whoever run, wins the majority of the popular vote across the nation. And in my eyes, I think that's more fair because what I think happens now is that there's uh, a small amount of states that have a small amount of population that end up swinging the entire national decision. So I, I know there's disagreement of, of, along the, those lines, but that's something that I really stand for. I, I believe fundamentally in, in one person, one vote. legislation for having all of our Colorado statewide election ballots sent out with prepaid posted return envelopes. So we don't have to put stamps on our envelopes. I think that's the last message of a poll tax. So my question is, kind of, will you support, sponsor, or promote legislation so that all of our Colorado statewide election ballots are sent with prepaid posted return envelopes? 
It only costs 0.05% of the state budget, a very small number. Uh, if there's anything I think that the government should pay for, isn't it mailing in their ballots? is a hard question, right? I, I do think we, we obviously do not want poll taxes, uh, but there's a couple things at play. And, and can I describe some of the circumstances that folks are concerned about with this? So first, everybody receives a mail-in ballot. 75% of people who vote their mail-in ballot drop it at a drop box. And part of what we just passed in this big voting omnibus bill is to put more drop boxes to make that more convenient than ever. And that's one for every 30,000 voters is what we got. And each of those ballot boxes costs $10,000 for the box, the monitoring, and the security. I, I totally agree on the value that, look, voting should be seamless. Um, second issue, the post office. So in southern Colorado, in southwestern Colorado, the mail-in ballots actually go to New Mexico before they get sent back up to Colorado. There has been historic problems with the post office itself. And those have been problems over decades that just aren't, aren't worked out. So what we've seen in other states is that, so Washington, they moved to having those stamps on all the ballots, and it changed how voters acted. Uh, so instead of the majority of voters dropping off their ballot, they suddenly go through the post office. Uh, and it switches how people vote their ballot. And I think that's something we really have to study to make sure that we don't end up disenfranchising people because they are sending their mail-in ballot to a place and they're not returned on time. And third, of course, is the budgetary, is the budget. So if the legislature could find the money, which is a question for them, but is very hard in a state like ours, I think we would be a different conversation. But I would really want to sit down and say, number one, is there the money? Because we don't have the budget. We don't have the budget. Uh, the county clerks largely do not have the budget. And I want to make sure that the county clerks have enough people and are open enough hours because we have county clerks who are not even open five days a week. Uh, and just look at it holistically. But overall, I'm very open to the idea just as long as we're making sure that people's mail-in ballots get back to us on time because if they don't, they don't get counted. And we do have an issue with the post office that I, I hope we can work out. But number two, that there's the money from the legislature and the general fund. Okay, one more question. So I have a question about campaign finance laws and when they begin to apply. And the context is my school district is considering putting a bond on the, on the ballot. They put out a mailer to the community discussing this issue, and they're being accused of violating the campaign finance laws. So I'm, I'm trying to understand when those laws begin to apply. Uh, well, we already have laws on the books. Uh, the new law is going to effect on August 2nd. Um, I assume what you're talking about is potentially laws that we already have on the books. Um, I'm, I'm not sure of the exact issue, but it would also be inappropriate for me to opine on that uh, because how we have basically the prosecution of campaign finance set up in our office, uh, it's set up wholly independent from me. There's a team of civil servants who look at complaints. 
So people file a complaint with our office, civil servants look at it, determine whether they want to prosecute or not, or whether uh, they can cure it. Uh, because we just want people to comply, we don't want to slap people with big fines unless they deserve it. Um, if there's a cure period, if they cure it, uh, they, they let them go and, and they fix the issue. If not, they prosecute it with uh, an administrative law judge. Uh, and then the administrative law judge makes a recommendation and then it comes back to the agency for a final agency decision. And I am actually firewalled from that entire process. Um, so the answer is, I am not sure, uh, but you can call the office and talk to the campaign. We have uh, two campaign finance teams. One is to advise, and the other one is to look at complaints and to prosecute or not. Um, but they are fantastic. They have been there a, a lot of, the, one of the great things about this office is that, you know, there's other secretaries of state in other states where they appoint a whole new team when they come in. 400 new people, 100 new people, and no one knows what they're doing. Uh, but we have wonderful civil servants in this office who have been there, gosh, three decades. They'll be there longer than me. They'll be there longer than any Secretary of State. Uh, and they're just fantastic, and I'm sure they could help answer any question. Okay, thank you. Okay, let, let's thank our Secretary of State for her time. Thanks for listening to Studio 809, interesting, thoughtful, and relevant podcasts originating at the foot of Pikes Peak. Hey, I'm glad you're still here. Did you know Studio 809 has many podcasts besides the great one you just heard? You can check them all out at studio809radio.com. You can subscribe to get all these podcasts by subscribing to Studio 809 on iTunes, or you can subscribe individually to any of the great podcasts from 809 on iTunes as well. It's your choice. Thanks for listening.